Hi, I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick from HookingRugs.com and our story is that we create beauty every day. And one of the things I love to do is I love to talk to people. Sometimes they're people I've never met, sometimes they're people I know well. And today I'm talking to someone I've never met before and I found uh, her online, I found her podcast and I was listening to it and I loved the way that she talked to people and how things unfolded in the podcast. And it's Nancy Regan. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Diane. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so Nancy is a pro, really, because how long, how long did you work on ATV, Nancy? Or was it ATV or? It was. It was ATV then. It was 15 years. And then I did some more TV after that. And, and I, now I do it in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. But um, you better be careful today because I could turn the tables and be asking the questions without <laughs> you even realizing it. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> I'm so much more, for some reason, I'm so much more comfortable on that side of the microphone. Are you? Well, no. Actually, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm making a, quite a shift in that regard, but that's certainly true of uh, an older version of myself. I was much more comfortable asking the questions than answering yeah. them. So tell me, about, uh, tell me about the Soul Booth, because that's how I found you, was through the Soul Booth online. Tell me about that, and tell me about your work right now. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to. And I'm, I'm, I think it's really important. I say I'm so happy to be here talking to you today. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you. I, I was uh, percolating about the idea of have, uh, having a podcast for a while. And then Donald Trump won the election in the States. Yep. And I felt I'm going to reveal myself as quite a, a Democrat in this regard, but I felt like there was so much darkness at that time that I really needed to shed a little light. I needed to bring light and to, to amplify it. And it occurred to me that it was actually just at that time that uh, CTV called, because now they're called CTV Atlantic, and they called and they wanted Paul Meunier and I, who is an old co-host of mine, who most people will remember. He's a fabulous guy. They wanted us to come back during a week when they were celebrating um, a milestone. I think it was maybe 20 years at that point or something of Live at Five. And I was like, I, I actually said to Maria, who called me, why would a why would a wild fish like me want to swim back into the fishbowl? <laughs> and she and she laughed and I said, No, I'm serious. <laughs> and and she said, Nancy, it would be so much fun. And I'm actually really glad I did it because we we really had a ton of fun. And Paul and I basically took over and refused to leave that day. But um, part of the reason I did it was because I had made the decision to create this podcast. And I realized that it was a great opportunity to sort of jump off the cliff and say, okay, everybody, here's, here's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And my whole concept of the soul booth was, you know, if you, I, it's always been my experience that when I go into a restaurant, I love to sit in a booth and a booth to me is like a nest, you know, it's, yeah. it's more intimate. It's uh, it makes you feel sort of protected and like your conversations more private and I'm all about having full-on soulful conversations these days. I'm done with chit-chat and, mm -hmm. and cocktail chatter. I really want to know what makes people tick, 
what makes them happy or unhappy or where they are in their journey. And I just wanted to create a space where I could amplify the voices of people who were bringing light. And that's just my expression for people mm -hmm. who are uh, leading their lives in inspiring ways and helping others and making the world a better place in some way. And I, I think, you know, in this pandemic, my expression has been, we are all called to service in some way during mm -hmm. this pandemic. Even yeah. if it was my 84 year old mom who was with me for the past two and a half months, um, calling her friends, you know, friends who were on their own and touching base and sending them flowers every once in a while. That is showing up in the world, trying to help. Yeah. And, and I guess that's, if you really want to boil down what my motto is in life these days, it's show up and help. And what I mean by showing up is, is the opposite of showing off. Showing off is when we walk through the world with a mask on, um, worrying about how other people are judging us and really showing them only pieces of ourselves. And showing up is really being present and in your interactions with people, allowing them to see your authentic self. And I, I believe, you know, I'm a huge follower of Brene Brown and I believe yeah. her whole concept that connection is a fundamental human need is is really a guiding light for me and and one of the things if if your listeners haven't paid attention to Brene Brown's or or watched or listened to her TED talks on ted.com yeah. she has two that are among the most watched of all of the TED talks and she really believes fundamentally that Connection is so important to us as humans, and we can only have connection if we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and authentic with people. If we only show people who we think they want to see, we can't have true, a true sense of connection. Mm -hmm. So my podcast is very much about connection to ourselves and to each other and to something bigger than us. What, what makes you feel vulnerable? Much less these days, but um, sharing, you know, you, you celebrate bringing beauty into the world. And one of the things that happened almost the moment I arrived at my cottage for this lockdown, and I've been very privileged to have, you know, the responsibility of only taking care of my mom mm -hmm. and my daughter and really having the time to have a, a, a very deep look at who I am and, and what's going on in the world and how I can help. And at the moment the lockdown started, I started writing poetry. And, and I actually feel um, very sincere when I say I, wasn't, I haven't even been writing it. It's like it just moves through me. It's like it's forcing its way through me. And every once in a while, I read, I read a poem the other day, a friend sent me and I was like, yes, this is my experience. Because when the poem starts coming, it's like, oh, geez, I've got to grab a pen right now. Here it comes. And I have, um, I've shared some of that poetry out in the world. 
when it's been something that's uh, that's got an activist edge, like yeah. this week I, I did one about uh, Donald Trump standing in front of the church. I know, I know it sounds like I've really got it out for Donald Trump. And, and I think that um, there are things about him that really bother me. And, and um, you asked about vulnerability, but yeah. I guess these things about him trigger me that he has, he seems to have such a lack of, of human caring and compassion. And, and he's sort of the opposite of what I want to highlight in the soul mm-hmm. booth. And they so, trigger your you know, vulnerabilities, I guess, you know, seeing that. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, but it's more so I'm, I, I've always gone for the underdog mm-hmm. and even watching basketball, which is a sport I love, you know, I've always chuckled at myself because I can start watching a game thinking I'm going for one team. But if there's a sense that one is an underdog, I really tend to to sort of shift in their direction, and and I feel I feel um, as a white person, I really feel that sense of white privilege that is very much on the topic of you know it's a topic of conversation. It's very much on the table right now, yes. and and I believe that. If we're just standing on the sidelines in silence, then that can be that can be construed as being complicit. Mm-hmm. And and you know, not everybody has a platform or a, a a voice. I have a I have a unique situation in a way because having been on Live at Five for a long time, I had a sort of regular audience of three hundred and fifty thousand people, yes. which was which that was a privilege for me to have those people who sure were, yeah. you know, tuning in every day. Not only did they tune into the show every day, but when I went anywhere in the Maritimes, I could feel, I could drop into a party in any small town in the Maritimes and feel at home and totally yeah. comfortable because yeah. people just would embrace me and say, we feel like we know you. Yeah. And what a beautiful, you know, that's such a beautiful thing. That was and, my favorite thing about the job. And did they know you, Nancy? Mm-hmm. they knew they knew parts of me yeah um but you know on a show like that uh it's a news show it's a it's a magazine news show and so you don't really know you don't reveal all parts of yourself and and mm-hmm. I already mentioned Paul Yeah, I remember Paul and I would joke sometimes standing in front of the camera when they were just getting their focus as we were about to start the show and and it might be a show that we weren't all, at all excited about. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, we hadn't had a great day and things were flying around and it was chaotic. And we would joke as they were testing our mics and say things like, yeah, folks, nothing much to see here today. You might as well <laughs> head on over to the other channel. And, and, uh, and really the funny part about that was that that was not an option. So as much as people felt, wow, they love their job and they're always in a great mood. Of course, a fair bit of that is acting. Mm-hmm. Now, did they, did they see the spark of who we were? For sure. Yeah. Because it was, a, it was a natural enough show. But the one thing that I was always guarding very closely was the secret that I had a, a lot of fear of vulnerability then. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of insecurity. 
a lot of fear of judgment and and you know that's all attached to just not feeling you're enough yeah and and as we as we age and mature and and i believe as we do work on ourselves and really really process old emotional wounds or or look at what traumas in our life have have impacted us and what little doubts we've had and held tightly since childhood i think that you know we we learn we can let all of that go mm-hmm. and so i guess the the biggest realization for me is that i am enough i am totally imperfect and that is just fine and those imperfections that used to weigh me down like my being um, I was saying at the beginning to you before we started to my life is chaos and you know you do a podcast about beauty and how can you create beauty without being a friend of chaos mm-hmm. so so now I embrace that and I just I just believe fully that we are all light and we all walk around with uh, our light on a dimmer switch and often people have their dimmer turned so far down that it seems like the light is off or there's no light there yeah and that as we go on a journey to really become comfortable in our own skin that light gets turned up and one of the things that's exciting me right now is the concept of women moving into their largeness and this is something I heard, back to Brene Brown, it's mm-hmm. something I heard Sue Monk Kid say on, on Brene Brown's um, episode, uh, maybe three or four episodes ago. She's been rocking the pandemic with her podcast. Yes, she has um, been. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I, I loved that idea of women's largeness because I, I really believe, Deanne, that so many girls and boys to some extent, but let's just talk about girls right now because you and I are females. Mm-hmm. So many girls are, are told from day one, be good, behave, be quiet, be gracious, be precious. And, and nobody says just be, like mm-hmm. be your fullness, be your largeness. And I want women, I, I used to feel threatened by women who I saw being large, as it were. Yeah, because I didn't feel my own light. And now I am so committed to celebrating other women who are willing to step into their power and, and, and stand in the a spotlight and just go out into the world and, and either make beauty or, or create change. I'm just so excited when I see women, um, graduating into the fullness of who they are and who they're meant to be without a concern about what are other people going to say. And you, and you use the soul booth to do that. I think that's what I was, that's what I was hearing and trying, that's what I was understanding. But do you, is the soul booth part of your professional life too now? I don't know what your professional life is now exactly. Yeah. My professional life is a, a funny amalgam of things actually. And I love it because I get to do several different things that really light me up. The Soul Booth is one of them. And yes, we've moved into a space where it's now, at first it was a hobby, 
and now it's sponsored and it's starting to make some money. Not, you know, I'm not going to get rich. Don't get me wrong. I know. But, it's like but it's, it, it, uh, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly paying for itself now, which is just a delight. And for me, it's a joy to do. So it's yeah. one of those things as, as a lot of social entrepreneurs will say, I would do it for free because I love it. Yeah. And so to get paid to do it is like an absolute joy. And another thing that I do that I really love is presentation coaching. Okay. So I coach people one-on-one -on -one, and sometimes I do workshops, which I also really enjoy. Um, helping people get over the fear of public speaking. You know, Seinfeld said it best, I think, when he, in his comedy act, he said, you know, I heard, I saw this the other day that the number one fear people have is public speaking. Death is number three. <laughs> so that means that if you go to a funeral, most people there would rather be the one in the, in the casket than the person giving the eulogy. <laughs> and, and I believe that that's all about, um, understanding that public speaking is a skill just like shooting a basketball foul shot. Right. If no one's ever taught you how to do it, you've never been um, shown how to do it properly, you've never acquired the skills and you've never had the chance to practice them, then why should you be able to do it well? Anyone can learn it and they can become great at it. So I, I believe it can be... Um, an unfair advantage in a way in the business yeah. world because there are so many poor speakers and and for me and this attaches back to the soul booth the key to being a good speaker is presence mm -hmm. so presence is a big thing in my life right now showing up in the present moment and being real <laughs> that's a lovely thing I got to ask you because one of the things I want to know, when I listened to your podcast with Mrs. McCain, I was like thinking, how did she get her to talk like that? And that's one of the things that I really admired about your podcast. What is, like, just say, you know, you said that you don't want to do small talk anymore. And I, I totally get that. I understand what you're saying. But it's really, it's really hard to sort of, to get past that sometimes. What is the key to really talking to people and really having that mostly really having them talking to you? What's the key for you, Nancy? What makes you good at that? Because you really, you really had that woman just telling us the truth. Wasn't she great? Honest to goodness. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that conversation. I really did. And, and I, I wasn't starting from square one with her because I have known her for a number of years, but she's the mother of a good friend of mine. Okay. And I've never, I've never had that kind of conversation with her before though. It's always been, you know, short little interactions. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I was so inspired by what she offered up in that conversation. But I, I will say that I think I've, always been pretty good about getting people to open up even in even in the live five days I discovered pretty early that I could put people at ease mm -hmm. and and I think that's the main thing that when you can create a sense of comfort then people 
relax into the conversation. And I can't tell you how many times on Live at Five, uh, people would be either whether whether it was a, a recorded conversation or a live conversation, they might be nervous ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I would just sort of coach them and say, listen, I promise it's going to be easy. Just just look at me, forget the cameras there. Yeah. And they would almost invariably afterwards say, wow, you were right. That was so much easier. But I do think that's about being present to the other person who you're speaking with mm -hmm. and not having an internal dialogue. You know, we've all been in the situation where you meet someone in the store or at a cocktail party and you're standing talking to them and you can just see this whole internal dialogue they've got going on. And, and if that's happening, they're not connecting with you. You cannot make a connection. It's, mm -hmm. like, it's like plugging into, you know, plugging a, a plug into the wall. If you're not if you're not connected, nothing can flow, mm -hmm. and it's and it's not it's not unlike a first date, Deanne. Really, you know, you've got to have. And this is something I, I work with with people in my uh, presentation coaching. A first date is a great example of how you need to approach speaking to a group of people, because or or even being in the room for an interview. You've got to have eye contact. You've got to listen. You've got to be open. You've got to have some passion and interest in what's happening. And, and you've got to be present. Yeah. So that's it. I'm sorry, but it all comes down to presence. It's the key, really, isn't it? That's it. I, I, as we started talking, I thought, when I asked her that question, I wonder if, it's, if that's what it's really about connection. It's all about connection. And that's the sweet spot of life. Yeah. It is. It's the sweet spot of life. And that's what you're doing in the soul booth, I really think. And I love that you're doing it. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. I love the interview with Nico Case, too. It was so interesting. And they were very authentic, lovely. Con they were just conversations, which I love in a podcast, you know? Well, I love what you're doing in the world. I think it's amazing that you've created, like, as a business person myself, very small business person, I'm so intrigued by what you've done and how you've carved out that niche and how you are you know you're not and I, I think this is my own supposition the reason you've been so successful with your business is that you're not selling bits of wool and material what you're selling is contentedness and satisfaction and enjoyment and you're you're you are bringing light That's so what I want to I want okay, to one that. of these days you you come on my podcast. <laughs> I'd love to. And if you ever want to learn how to hook rugs, you know where to come, girl. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, Nancy, yeah. tell them where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find my podcast webpage at uh, thesoulbooth.com if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter. Or you can find my podcast on uh, iTunes, on Spotify, pretty well anywhere you can find podcasts. You'll track me down. Give it a listen. It's a great podcast, you guys, while you're hooking rugs. Thank you very much, Nancy. And I'm Deanne Fitzpatrick, and this is hookingrugs.com. And this podcast is called Create Beauty Every Day. See you later. Bye-bye. Happy day. Happy day.